0: If you have your scriptures tonight, I invite you to turn, at least for a first part, to Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to take a look at biblical theology study tonight of the uses of the phrase, be strong and courageous. Again, it's mentioned more than you probably ever knew. It's at least 12 times, and phrases that are almost identical or similar in some way, you could even get to the number 15. So it's quite there. If you want to write them down, um, it's used um, in the Old Testament in a number of different places. Three of them are in Deuteronomy 31. Moses is challenging on his last lecture sermon to Joshua before he's going to die. Uh, he's not going into the promised land. Joshua's leading them. So he tells them Deuteronomy 31, 6, 7, and 23. Those three times before Joshua ever officially takes over and replaces uh, Moses, that he needs to be strong and courageous and don't be afraid or to be dismayed. Um, he tells him that three times. And then, obviously, God takes up that same verbiage in the chapter that we're looking at or focusing on primarily, Joshua chapter 1, verses 6, 7, 9, 18. Four times in this text, even the people of Israel Uh, chime in with the same resounding phrase, be strong and courageous, only do that. We have a few requirements of you, Joshua. Let God be with you like he was with Moses and you be strong and courageous. And so that's in verse 18. And then not only that, but believe it or not, the phrase is in the middle of the book, in Joshua 10, 25, at the battle where God allows the sun to stand still. It, It also closes up the book or finishes... It's like a framework. The beginning, the middle, and the end. Joshua 23, 6. It's really the framework. And you could almost read the entire book and the stories in it with this admonition or command in mind to be strong and courageous. It's really the framework of the entire uh, book of Joshua. But as I mentioned before, it's not just Moses giving this command or this this ordination uh, encouragement to Joshua. But it's also David on his last lecture before he dies, to his son Solomon that will take his place of king of Israel. So um, he says it to him, 1 Chronicles 22.13 and 1 Chronicles 28.20, both those statements, be strong, and courageous, don't be afraid or be dismayed, and in, then in 28.21, are Solomon, when he's attempting to do something that no one ever has done, there's never been a permanent structure of worship and sacrifice to God. It's always been the tabernacle, and before that, portable and movable altars. But now a new phase is coming into the kingdom where God's going to dwell in a place and his people are going to be there with him. So it's not only a phrase that encourages us in times of battling, but also in times of building. And then lastly, we have one other one that's very similar in 2 Chronicles 32 and verses 7 and 8. And it's during the time where Hezekiah is being besieged by the the Assyrians, and Sennacherib is leading it, and he's outnumbered, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And he himself takes these very words and speaks them to the people of Israel who are frightened and dismayed, to say the least, because of uh, Jerusalem being surrounded by Sennacherib. So Hezekiah steps in and uses these words. And so what we find out from the very beginning is, yes, it's obviously a phrase for leaders. If you're in leadership, uh, whether it's church leadership, ministry leadership, you're a deacon, you're a Sunday school leader, church, if you're a leader of any sort, these are great words. Because when you get in over your head, which is far more than we'd ever want to admit, when you're doing something or God asks you to do something and you're not sure if you can handle it, if you're not sure about the outcome, you're not sure that you're not going to be a failure at it, and you take a look around you and you take a look at yourself and you begin to doubt. See, this is a great form of encouragement. Can I tell you this, though? It's not just for leaders or generals of armies. It's for all of us. The New Testament is very clear that our greatest battles are not physical ones. They're spiritual ones. And it's not building temples, but building God's church. And if you're involved in any capacity in either one of those two, this is a phrase that's for you. Secondly, under the Old Testament uses, um, another observation that I saw as I looked at all these texts is that these Encouragements to be strong and courageous were used at what I call hinges of history. Um, the first whole set of them, Deuteronomy and Joshua, were used during the conquest of Canaan. Years. So here's the very first big stage in the redemptive story of Israel. And when God has promised them through Abraham the promised land, and now they're going to have to face the Canaanite, Canaanites and all the other ites. And there's 31 armies they're going to face, 31 battles, and seemingly impregnable cities. Like Jericho, here's what he says, be strong and courageous all through the book. So that's an important, this is a major step forward in the redemptive story. The next section of Israel's history, hinge of history, is the kingdom years. Israel has a kingdom and now they have a king. And so David exhorts Solomon, his son, to be strong and courageous. And so at every focal point or hinge of history in Israel's redemptive story... God is having people realize that here's what you need. Strong and courageous, that's what you need to be. And so tonight, listen, it may not be a hinge of national history, but it could be a hinge of your personal history. It could be that tonight there are people, and God brought you tonight to this place to listen to the live stream message tonight because there's some hinges of your personal history, some really important decisions that you're going to make, some things that will determine perhaps your direction and maybe other people's that are affected by it. And, And a lot of people could be influenced by what you're going to decide the next few days or weeks for years to come. And God wants you to know that every stage of your personal history or your marriage or your family and their history, here's one thing you can't forget. You need to be strong and courageous. Third observation, just at at the start. Uh, This phrase, be strong and courageous, is used for encouragement, not only to battle for God, but to build for God. Not only for warfare times, but for worship times. And so God say, you may be on the front lines, and you might be you know, standing up for Christ and you, maybe it's that you're called on to defend your faith and be this witness and we all should be doing, but you know, maybe it's other things as well that you're building the worship and the ministry and you're in vital with helping God's people. And, and so either juncture, whether you're reaching lost people or ministering to save people, uh, this is a, a phrase that would be, we would all do well to uh, apply and appropriate. Two more opening observations. Number four This phrase, as I looked at all the verses that were there that I mentioned to you, it's used to provoke a trust and confidence of God out of a context of insufficiency and weakness. Hezekiah, Joshua, Solomon, these are people who were encouraged to or provoked to trust God. Be strong and courageous. I mean, you... God's asked you to do this and whatever it is, you be strong, you be bold. You believe that God will give you the strength because what their problem is, is they don't or not for sure they don't realize that or know it. They are operating out of a question mark when it comes to whether they can handle it, whether they can work through the situation, whether they're really the person fit for the task or the thing that God's asked them to do. And, and that happens to all of us. I mean, you may say, God, you really, you think I should do this ministry at Faith Baptist Church? Or you maybe, you really think that I'm the one to reach that person with the gospel? Or, or you really think that I should be the one who, and, and you can name whatever it is you think God's asking you to do at your job or in your family or whatever. Whatever it might be but here's what I know that these encouragements or these exhortations came to people in contexts where they thought that maybe they just weren't sufficient they weren't enough they weren't powerful enough to do it Joshua follows Moses in the opening chapter of Joshua 1, Moses is dead. It's repeated a couple times. The number one leader in Old Testament history that everyone refers to is now off the scene. And guess what, Joshua, you get to be the one who follows him. I mean, look at the Red Sea and all the things and the Ten Commandments and everything God did through Moses. And you get to be the guy who follows him. You're going to face military battles. You're going to conquer a whole land. And you have no soldiers with training ability, no prowess, no military experience. Joshua probably didn't know for sure if he was up to it. Solomon, his dad was famous. I mean, the most famous king that Israel would ever had. I mean, he slew Goliath. He was unbelievable man of God. And Solomon gets to follow him. And he's the one that's going to do what no one else had done, build the temple. And I'm sure in his mind he was wondering, why didn't my dad do it? Why me? Hezekiah and facing possible odds. And for all realistic purposes, hope for him and Israel were gone because nobody was going to beat Sennacherib. Not 186,000 soldiers. They, weren't, they were outnumbered uh, over and over again, 10 to 1. But see, Hezekiah says, now is the time when things are at their worst that we need to be strong and courageous. And lastly, opening observations. This phrase, be strong and courageous, is used to describe how God works in and through people. Now listen, when God tells you to be strong and courageous, we're going to find out in a minute that that strength and courage is embedded in the strength that God has. It's not just something that you have on your own. Although, can I tell you this? Hezekiah, if you read 2 Chronicles 32, he also told the people to be strong and courageous and don't be afraid or be dismayed because God was with us. He repeats the exact phrase, really almost. But here's, here's what he says. But the verses before in verses 5 through 7 leading up to it, said that he made more shields and he made more spears and he fortified uh, places that had crumbled and were broken down and he made it so that the water wouldn't run so that the enemy couldn't have water to drink while they were sieging them. I mean, he did everything that he could. And in the end, the crazy thing was all the preparations, all the battle plans that he made, they never used any of them. God had an angel come and strike down the Assyrians and they didn't have to lift a finger and they went out and the battle was over. But listen, It was good for Hezekiah to make battle preparations. You know why? Because not one time in all the 12 uses of the phrase, Be strong, courageous, it's never used after the battle. Only one time during battles, not a specific one, but during the conquest, the vast majority of them are used before the battle. See, tonight... As you face your battles, there is a battle before the battle. And you know what the battle is and maybe the most important battle? Not even the event you're facing, not even the impossibility that you're encountering, not even the struggles that you're going through. You know what the biggest battle may be? You being prepared to face it. And here's how we get prepared. Be strong and courageous. Whether you're battling, whether you're building Here's what God's looking for. I want you to be strong. I want you to completely be confident and trust me and believe that I can do what I say I can do. But at the same time, I want you to make preparations. I want you to prepare yourself and have everything. Now, God may or may not use it. And most of the battles that were won in the conquest of Canaan were mainly, if not mostly, done by God's power and had no need of them. And and sometimes all they did were be the mop-up crew. But nevertheless, you trust God and prepare for battle. And how do we do it? We must learn to be strong and courageous. So what does that look like, Pastor Walker? If this is so important and this is preparatory for battle and all the struggles I'm going to face, whether it's building or battling for God, how do I do it? Well, let me give you, that's the second point tonight, or only two points. Strong and courageous. Not only it's context, number one, but it's commands, number two. And if you notice in the text, and I want to use Joshua 1, nine, the most famous usage of the phrase. Let me read it for you. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For, there are four commands, right? Write them down. Four of them. Two of them are positive. The other two are negative. The positive ones obviously are be strong and, number two, be courageous. All right? And they go together. The other two are negative ones. Not only are there two things you should be doing, there are two things you should not be doing. And the things you're not to do if you're going to be prepared for battle is don't be afraid or frightened and don't be dismayed. And can I tell you up front before I get a little bit more of an explanation of them and how they relate to each other, is that you absolutely need both of them. In fact, I'm going to tell you how they relate to one another because your battle strategy, you have to positively be strong and courageous because the temptation is, the enticement is, the weakness that we might face is because if you don't, the other two will be what you become. You will become fearful and you will become panicked. And that's what the word dismay means. Panic, disintegrate, terrified, shattered is the idea of it? we would say today. You fall apart. And God says, here's what I don't want you to do. When you look at your circumstances, when you look at the battles, when you look at some things that look impossible, and maybe you're facing them tonight in one form or another, he says, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to be controlled by, by, dominated by fear. Because you know what fear will lead to? It will lead to you falling apart, you being paralyzed. You won't go on the battlefield. You won't face those things. You won't build or battle for God. So these commands are always before battle. And so I took the time to make some calls this week and talk to people, actually some friends of mine in ministry and some, even some more distant relatives of mine and I asked the question, when in your life were times where you really needed to be strong and courageous? And can I tell you, first off, people started telling me their stories, and, 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 and I did it over an app where you could actually visualize the people as they're talking and see them, and it, it became surprisingly emotional for people, um, started to tear up, I mean, because the, the situations where people needed to be strong and courageous were very difficult. I mean, they ranged from cancer, fighting cancer. Cancer at 22 years old. I mean, they were, uh, one was relational betrayal. People that they trusted in, people that they were close to, turned their back on them, did things to undermine them in ministry. Uh, Talked to one couple who did not realize that they had a child when it was born and there was a serious uh, physical disability and all that went with it and the raising of that child and caring for them and all these years later um, still with them and, and all the strains as well as joys that go with that. I talked with my friend who one time left a certain pastorate job and knew he shouldn't be there but didn't know where he should be and left not knowing that he even had a job and, and told me, still with it etched into his face, how difficult that was, not knowing the certainty uh, of the finances that would take care of his family. Physical pain that people endured. I mean, surgeries and chronic conditions that just don't go away, or they last a long time, and having to deal with that, and wondering if anything will ever be different, or you're ever going to feel better, or have any sort of a normal day again. Standing up for God at work. I, I've Recent days have talked to people, even here at Faith, who because of the political correctness and social pressure that's put on people, even at your job, that you're going to need to do this and put this on your door and you're going to have to do this and stand up for these issues that you may totally disagree with, lovingly, but you still disagree with. And, And knowing that when you say no to your boss, it may cost you your job. Didn't see that one coming. I even talked with... Some people that had less than uh, adequate housing uh, talked to me about houses they lived in. You could see your breath in the wintertime and snakes and rats in their homes and all kinds of different things. And, And I came to the realization that the Bible portrays the need to be strong and courageous oftentimes when you're facing big events. I mean, armies that you don't think you can beat, projects that you don't think you can complete, But I also found out in talking to people that it's not just big events, it's small events too. I mean, just daily things that are difficult and stress you out and the pressure of it. I mean, daily things that happen all the time. To the point where uh, one person told me, and I quote, Sometimes Pastor Walker, being strong and courageous, is just surviving and making it through another day. I did not have that in my definition. But maybe being strong and courageous is different for different people. It's not just hinges of history, but sometimes it's smaller things, hurdles in history. It's not always just the major things that you need to be strong and courageous about, but sometimes it's the minor things, but the minor things that happen over and over again or repeatedly or on top of one another. It's not just national events like the history of Israel and the promised land and the kingdom, but it's personal events in your life that really impact you and your family. So these four commands are not just for leaders, generals, kings. They're for everyone. And they're not just about physical battles. At times, they're about spiritual battles. So maybe tonight God brought you here because he wants you to consider the big events and the small events that you're going through and how much you need to heed his command tonight. Be strong and courageous. Maybe it's uncertain business projects that you're in, waiting for a result, waiting for good things to happen when they haven't. Maybe you're thinking about, as we heard last Sunday night, maybe you're considering adoption. But the long process, the expense that goes along with it, you're not sure what your options are or what you should really do. Maybe it's pressure at work to follow What everybody else is doing or will you stand alone for what is right? Perhaps it's more on a personal, spiritual level of caving into temptations that you've been defeated by lately. Will you be strong and courageous and face them and defeat them in the power and the grace of God? Maybe it's surrendering to depression and anxiety over things that constantly plague you in your life. So let me ask the final question tonight. How do you then put these two sets of commands together, the positive, how do they relate to each other? When God says be strong and courageous, how does that relate to don't be afraid or be dismayed? Well, the, let me give you some thoughts tonight that hopefully be practical as well. So let me give you this. You need to do the first two commands in order not to do the second two commands. I, I've mentioned that already. So you need to be strong and courageous so that you won't be afraid and dismayed. Let me say it to you this way. Let me put it to you another way. It's both a fight to be something and not to be something. It's, in other words, a fight to be not controlled by fear, because when you're controlled by fear, it produces dismay. When fear controls you, you will start to panic, you will start to break down, you will be terrified. Your life will start to feel like it's falling apart, shattered. Those are some of the definitions of the word and how it's used. And that's what takes place when fear dominates you. And when you're facing armies that are bigger than you, stronger than you, projects that you think are overwhelming to you, there's no way that that's ever going to get done or happen that way. It's not hard to be overwhelmed and controlled by fear, and it leads to being dismayed. And God says that's not what the child of God should ever feel face in the sense that it controls them. Instead, here's what he says in replacement. Instead, you need to be controlled with strength, and namely God's strength, God's power. And when you are controlled by God's power and dominated by his strength, here's what it produces. It produces courage. Your life's not falling apart, but it's coming together to the point where you have the boldness to be able to face your problems and the power and the grace that God gives, and you're able to come through the way he wants you to. So it's time, I think, after all that information, to ask, how's the battle really going? Which set of commands do you find your life being commanded by? Are you dominated by the positive commands, or are you more dominated by the negative commands? See, both of them are realities. Can I tell you what being strong and courageous is not. Here's what it doesn't look like. Here's what it does not say. Do not think for a moment tonight that you are actually strong and courageous if you're acting like this. It does not say, it's not so bad out there. I mean, this isn't really that big of a deal. It's really not that hard. I'm gonna be able to handle this. It's not a proud or arrogant self-confidence that thinks that because of your own wisdom or intellect or abilities that you're going to handle it. That's not what being strong and courageous is. It's being strong and courageous doesn't minimize the fears. It doesn't say, oh, that's not a, it sees cancer for what it really is. It sees the uncertainty of the future and all that holds or may not hold. It it, it, it understands how emotional and difficult that is and how hard it is to focus your faith in times where great long-suffering and patience are required. See, it it doesn't minimize the situation. It doesn't minimize the fear. It doesn't minimize the problems. But it does not minimize the fear, but it does maximize the faith. It says, yes, this is a real fear. Yes, this is seemingly an impossible situation. Yes, this is emotionally disturbing. Yes, this seems over my head. Yes, it seems like I'm not sure how this is all going to... That's all real, But at the same time, it sees God for who he is and God for what he can do. Because we believe his word, and particularly as the text brings out his promises. So let me tell you this, it's a choice in the end. We have a choice to either see my faith through my fears or to see my fears through my faith. Joshua chose to see his fears through his faith. And he became strong and courageous. He didn't do that by downplaying the, how big Jericho was. He didn't do it by downplaying how formidable the land was filled with giants. He didn't dismiss his fears as if they didn't exist or they weren't as powerful as they really were. Rather, he chose to see them. Not just power, positive thing, no. Really see them by faith, even though his physical eyes may said one thing. Spiritual eyes, he saw them in the light of who God is and what he has said. And that is brought out very particularly at the end of the verse we just read. Let me read it for you again because it's the key. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? And the reason why, by by the way, God can command you not to be afraid and command you to be strong and courageous is it's not based on your feelings. It's based on your faith. Faith in what? Him. Him. Who He is and what He can do. Where does it say that? Verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Now, see the next word? For that's how the commands are connected. Here's the reason why God can command you to do these two things and not do these two things. Here's the reason behind it. For the Lord your God is with you. Not in some limited or finite way. Listen, wherever you go, and we can add according to verse five when he says no man shall stand before you, we can add wherever you go, whoever you face, And whatever it is, you could say, wherever, whoever, whatever it is, God says, here's the key. Here's what will allow you to be strong and courageous. Here will be what you can overcome fear and its products in your life. Here's what it is. Ready? He's with you. His presence. Six times in the 12 times that Be strong and courageous as used. It is followed up by these very same words. Some level or some form of God's promised presence with you. An example is what David said to Solomon. He said it this way. He didn't say only I'll be with you, but he elaborates and he says this added phrase, he will not leave you nor forsake you. It's not that God's with you up until a point. It's not that God's with you up until it gets too hard even for him. No, there's no limitations. He says he will not and it's never, he will never, Hebrews thirteen five uses it in the New Testament. He will never ever leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you in the lurch. He's not going to have you see, it's not going to happen. He'll never forsake you. That's what it means. 2 Chronicles 32, 7 and 8 Sennacherib and his 186,000 soldiers surrounded Jerusalem and they were greatly outnumbered and they had really no hope from a human perspective. Here's what Hezekiah says, be strong and courageous don't be afraid or be dismayed for here's his reason ready there are more with us than with them physically that wasn't true there weren't more with them there weren't more soldiers there weren't more people there weren't more spears and swords there were far more far more outside the walls than inside the walls then what did he mean here's what he meant he explains it for with them is the arm of flesh. All they have is physical human power. All they have is swords and spears. That's all they have. And for most people that would say, what do you mean all they have? That's all they need. Oh, no, 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 no. Not when you see your fears through your faith. Not when you're strong and courageous. Not when you see God. Here's what he says. With them is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. See, that was theology. That's what made the difference. So being strong and courageous and not being afraid or dismayed is not based on, listen to this, that strength does not come from inside you. That strength does not come from outside you. You know where it comes? From beside you. (laughs) You hear that? What's beside you? Namely God. See, the Assyrians may be outside, fear may be inside, but God is beside you. I am with you the entire way. So let me summarize it with some statements that you can use to pray for yourself to you face your own battles and circumstances, battling your, bu- and for others as you pray for them. Being strong and courageous, do not fear or be dismayed. Four, when you add that little four on there and you include God in it and you make him the center of it and you see everything in your life through that. Here's what it means practically. Number one, you're never alone. You are never, never alone. Alone. You may feel like it. You may be filled with, you may be in a house that's filled with people, and you think nobody understands you. No one really understands where you're coming from, what you're going through. They just don't get it. And to some degree, it may be true. But you are never, ever alone. One of the people I interviewed said that it was very difficult to be strong and courageous when they felt like they were the lone wolf. When they were being hunted down and there was no one standing by them, I, when I heard that, I thought of the passage at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy where he says, At my first apologetic or my first defense, no one stood with me. He says, May God not lay it to their charge. But in the next verse, 17, says, But the Lord stood with me. See? the lord see friends may be fickle and other people as well family can be fickle but the lord is never fickle he's always faithful you may feel like you're the lone wo- you may have the elijah syndrome god i'm the only one left standing up for you and god says oh no 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 i have 7000 other servants right You are not alone. You're not alone when you go to school this fall. You are not alone at your job. You are not alone in your marriage or your family. You are not alone when you stand for God, when you do what's right, and when you're uncertain about the outcome. You are not alone because I am with you. Can I tell it, say it to you this way? I am with you is God's one-liner for every problem. (laughs) It's God's, listen, you have an argument. Say, God, hey, I I know uh, that you have all these things going on and who you are, but God, and he says, "Uh, stop, I'm with you. See, it's, it's the one line that stops every argument. You really can't argue back with God. I mean, because when he tells you, I am with you, what are you gonna say to that? You're not. Because it solves all problems. Not because everything will work out the way you thought it would. Not because everything's going to turn out the way that you want it to. But he's with you. And you know what it means? It's not that everything's going to have a rainbow at the end of it. It's going to be God's plan coming to fruition in your life. And you'll be able to overcome the fear and not be dismayed. So it'll mean this, being strong and courageous, don't fear, be dismayed. You are never alone, number two. You are never outnumbered. You are never outnumbered. And they kind of go hand in hand, don't they, those two? You're never overwhelmed. You never have more than you can handle. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tested above that which you're able, First Corinthians 10, 13. See, When you get your eyes focused on everything outside of you and around you, i.e. Joshua, all the armies they had to battle, Hezekiah, the overwhelming number of the Assyrians, Solomon, the unbelievable project that he was given that no one had ever even attempted to do. When you get your eyes focused on externals instead of eternals, see, it's easy to let fear seep in. And grab a hold of your thoughts and your mind and your emotions. But you're never outnumbered, no matter how bad the odds may seem. You're never alone, you're never outnumbered, and lastly, you are never powerless and this is probably the most difficult one where you think that you have no ability that you're weakness and you're not sufficient that you're not enough and nobody thinks anything of you and you're not going to handle it and there, why would god ever think that you should be involved in something like this or he could ever use you in such a way and you look in the mirror and you go you got to be kidding me you're never powerless not because you're strong but because he is That's why when he says be strong and then be courageous as a result, the strength is not yours. It's embedded and grounded in his, his ability. And he proved that's what he meant because the vast majorities of the battles they faced in the conquest, he won. He knocked the walls down. He made the sun stand still. He defeated the enemies. He did it. God did it. So what does it mean when God says to you, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed? Here's why, ready? I'm with you. What does it mean for God to be with you? When My son Lance Jr. was growing up and he was just a few years old. you, You maybe have done this for your children. I got him this, my wife and I got him this little basketball hoop. It was plastic, had a little weight in the bottom. I think you could put water in or sand to make it a little, you know, so it wouldn't fall over too easily. But it wasn't very tall, maybe three or four feet Of course, he wasn't very big when he was only, you know, two or three years old. So he would pick the ball up and he would muster up the strength and shoot at it and stuff like that. But more than anything else, he wanted to dunk on it. He wanted just to slam it, you know, Michael Jordan or whatever it was. But he couldn't because he wasn't big enough and he didn't have enough strength to jump that high at that age. So you know what I did? He would say, Daddy, Daddy. And I'd come over and I'd get behind him and I'd take it and I'd pick him up. And when I picked him up, I put him over the basket, and he could dunk it. Oh, he loved that. I would do it over and over again with him. And he realized he could do things that he never thought he could do without me. He came to the realization that when my dad's with me, I can dunk. I can do things that I couldn't do otherwise. God's with you. Did you know that? And the things he's asked you to do and the things he wants you to obey, because in all of this, the obedience to God's law and the Torah, which you meditate on, that's the key, isn't it? Success and prosperity in the promised land and in the conquest was not based on numbers, strength, power, wisdom of your own. No, it was all based on who God was and what he would do and what he said he promised would happen. And it was trusting in that. It was saying, God, here's how I know that we can do what you said and what we can obey what you commanded. You know why? Because you are with us. You are with us. 2 Chronicles 32, says, Hezekiah says, And the Lord is with us, and he will provide for us. And the Hebrew word means to give treasures. He'll provide for us. He'll give us the treasures on every side. <laughs> on every side. See, God's with us, not outside, not inside strength, beside strength. God is with us. Therefore, we can be strong, we can be courageous, and we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fall apart. We don't have to be dismayed because he is with us. Let's close tonight by listening to this brief song that will encourage us to do just that.